How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. God's word for our meditation this morning is the gospel that we heard a few minutes ago. Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. St. Luke has Jesus telling us this at the end of that parable. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the word of our Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, dear friends. I have always kind of prided myself Know that I have a fairly good vocabulary and a pretty good grasp of the English language. But I have to admit that there is a word, a, a pretty familiar word, a word I'd been hearing and using for most of my life that up until about six or seven years ago, I really didn't know what it meant. And that's the word prodigal. We've all heard the word prodigal. It's the word that's almost always associated with this parable that Jesus taught. Even though the word prodigal doesn't appear in the Gospels, it's the word that we use to describe this parable. The parable of the prodigal son. So, for many years, I just kind of assumed that the word prodigal meant something like runaway. Because... The son that we call the prodigal son ran away. Maybe some of you have thought that's what that word meant. Well, turns out I was wrong and so were you if that's what you assumed. The word prodigal doesn't mean runaway. The word prodigal is used to describe somebody who spends lavishly, extravagantly, even foolishly. Prodigal is a word you would use to describe somebody who spends everything they have until there's nothing left. Well, that's certainly an appropriate word to describe that younger son in this parable, isn't it? I mean, look what he did. He, he, he spent lavishly on himself. He squandered everything, that, that, that inheritance that he had been given, until there was literally nothing left of it. And that's why we call it the parable of the prodigal son. But I think when we call it the parable of the prodigal son, we're putting the emphasis on the wrong person in that parable. Even though Jesus draws our attention to that younger son, especially at the beginning of the parable, and then later at the end of the parable points us to the older son, the real main person in this parable, the one we should really be focusing on is the father. And he could rightly be called prodigal. Remember, prodigal meaning somebody who spends lavishly, extravagantly. Isn't that an appropriate description of the father in this parable? He, he didn't spend his money necessarily lavishly, but his love and his forgiveness. So maybe we should, at least this morning, let's call this, not the parable of the prodigal son, let's call it the 
parable of the prodigal father. But before we look at the father, let, let's start by looking at those two sons of his. Let's start with the younger son. Boy, there's an awful lot not to like about him, isn't there? I mean, first off, he demanded of his father his share of the inheritance. Well, normally as the, as the younger son, he would have been entitled to a third of the estate. But normally, you don't get an inheritance until the person who has that estate dies, right? But he had the audacity to go to his father and demand that he give him his share of the inheritance right here and right now. Think about what that meant. It meant that his father now, well, since he gave in to his son's demand, it meant that his father now would have to live on two-thirds of what he had before. He had to support his family, his household, his servants, the entire estate on two-thirds of what he had before. Making that son even less likable is what he did with that inheritance that he had been given. He wasted it. He spent it on foolish things. If, if we are to believe his older brother, those foolish things even included sinful things, squandering it in, on prostitutes. So, who did that son in this parable, who, who was he supposed to represent? Well, not too hard to figure out. At the beginning of the parable, it says, Now tax collectors and sinners... We're all gathering around to hear him. Many of Jesus' followers were people who had lived very openly sinful and rebellious lives. Some of them were tax collectors, like the Apostle Matthew or like Zacchaeus. Tax collectors who made not just a, a, a living, made a very good living by charging basically whatever they wanted of their fellow countrymen, more or less stealing all under the uh, indulging eye of the Roman government who basically looked the other way and said, you can get whatever you want, just give us what we have coming. Others of Jesus' followers, like that woman who, who, who washed Jesus' feet, anointed them with her tears, had lived openly sinful lives in sometimes sexual ways, some of them even prostitutes. Do you see a little bit of yourself in that younger son? Maybe some of you here this morning at one point in your life did live a life of very open rebellion against God. Maybe you lived openly a life that was in clear defiance of God's will. Or maybe you renounced your faith. Maybe you turned your back openly on God, His Word, and His church. Maybe others of us didn't do it quite so openly and blatantly. Maybe we have found ourselves, instead of like that son openly running away, kind of sneaking out the back door once in a while when we indulge in sinful behavior that we know very well is wrong, but we do it anyway, reasoning, you know, he'll let me back in. 
I can sneak back in. If I, if I repent, it's all good, right? And yet that hurts our God, our Heavenly Father, no less than when people openly rebel against Him and defy Him. Let's take a look at that other son, the older one. He also hurt his father, although he probably didn't look at it that way. He looked at himself as the good son. After all, he didn't run away. He didn't openly rebel against his father. He stayed and he worked his tail off for him. And yet, he didn't love his younger brother. When he came back, he didn't embrace him. He didn't even say hi to him. Furthermore, he hurt his father. He insulted his father by, first of all, criticizing him for his love and forgiveness of that rebellious son and then insulting him by not even coming in to enjoy that feast. Not too hard to figure out who that older son was either, is it? At Again, beginning of our lesson this morning, we heard how the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Like the older son in that parable, the Pharisees and teachers of the law considered themselves the, the good son. Now, they weren't like those others who openly rebelled against God. They worked hard for God. They lived a life that was in obedience to God's will. They worshipped regularly. They gave a tenth of all they had to God. They were the good son. But they were hypocrites. They were hypocrites because like the older son in the parable, they had no compassion on others. Do you see maybe a little of yourself in that older brother too? It's not hard to fall into that mindset of thinking, we're the good son. And there's a whole lot of other not-so-good sons and daughters out there, huh? I mean, we are in church most Sundays. We give generous offerings. We volunteer at church. We do all this work, unlike some other people who don't do anything around here. Certainly, God must love us more, and we deserve more than they how hypocritical that is and how much it hurts God, our Heavenly Father. When we have a mindset that thinks we earn and deserve something from God and that we are better than other sinners. So let's stop looking at the, the two sons, including the one we often call the prodigal one, and, and, and let's focus instead on the Father in this parable. The father who could rightly be called prodigal. Remembering that prodigal means somebody who spends lavishly. Look at how lavish that father's love and forgiveness is. Not just for the younger son, but for the older son as well. He loved his sons. Look at how he loved his younger rebellious son. He didn't make him do what his son had thought he was going to ask him to do, that is to earn his way back into the household, working for him as a servant. He welcomed him back with literally open arms. 
as a son. He didn't wait for him to get there. He ran out to meet him. He threw a feast for him and threw his arms around him and forgave him. And look at how he treated the older son as well. Even though that older son insulted him, criticized him for having such love and forgiveness and compassion for his younger brother, insulted him by not even joining in that feast, but he said to him, everything I have is yours. He loved him so much that it broke his heart when that older son refused to forgive his younger brother and join in the feast. Well, there's no mystery in who the father represents in this parable, is there? That's God, our heavenly father. Look at how lavish his love is for us. Every time we turn our back on him in sin, he welcomes us back with open arms of forgiveness. He doesn't make us earn our way back into his favor. He welcomes us as his dear children. He lavishes his love and mercy on us. His love God the Heavenly Father's love is even more extravagant than the love and mercy of the Father in the parable, isn't it? Remember the word prodigal means somebody who spends lavishly, extravagantly, spends everything. Look how extravagant God the Father's love and mercy is for us. Look what he spent on you and me. He gave up the most precious thing he had his one and only Son. Or look at Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God. Look what He gave up. Again, prodigal refers to somebody who ultimately spends everything. Isn't that what He spent on us? Everything? His life? His blood? He gave up His last breath for us? Talk about prodigal. Talk about extravagant. God's love and mercy and grace and forgiveness. Some, like, like that older son in the parable, would call that kind of love foolish. I mean, who would love those who turn their back on you? Who could forgive people who again and again and again hurt you? Who? God, our Heavenly Father, that's who. I wouldn't call that foolish. I'd call that kind of grace amazing. Amen. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.